you have your Bibles, <clears throat> wave them, make the devil mad. If you don't, they'll probably have a, they'll have some scriptures up here for you on the screen so you can kind of follow along. How many of you'd rather be here than in the hospital this morning? Amen. <laughs> How many of you'd rather be here than in jail? Woo, glory. I said that one time. I said, how many would rather be here than in jail? Man, this little, this young woman got up. She was on the front row. She started dancing. I said, what in the world? She said, I just got out of jail. I said, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, congratulations. Glad you're here this morning. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 2, and we'll just mention scriptures and then we'll look at some, we'll quote others and and just flow with that, all right? So, he said, wherefore, seeing that we're compassed about. Now, I'm a King James guy, so, I, I, you know, I'm retro. But I tried, I tried to switch, but I got all messed up when I was trying to quote my scripture, so I just went back, because this is what I've read all my life. Wherefore, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, each of us have a race to run, don't we? We have a course to finish. And I believe it would be God's divine intention that each of us run that race and finish that course with joy. Everybody say, with joy. You know, in my estimation, joy is at the heart of Christianity. Because when Jesus entered this world, uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 that the angel said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which shall be to all people. So when Jesus entered this earth, he entered this world with joy, with celebration. And as he departed the earth, the Bible says that he bequeathed his joy to his disciples. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 11 uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So God wants our joy tank in life to stay full. Now, you, you know, I'm not talking about uh, a, a soulish emotion. I'm talking about a spiritual force called joy. It is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, you know, so forth and so on. Against such there is no law. So one of the fruit of the recreated human spirit is the fruit of joy. And then also, of course, Paul tells us in Romans 14 and 17, uh, he gives us three characteristics of the kingdom of God. And he said, here's the kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not mere matters of external observance, although that is involved. He said, but the kingdom of God is an internal condition or position of righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. So these characteristics of the kingdom righteousness, that means we're right with God. God said, hey, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you are all right with me now. Right? And that produces a sense of peace 
and also joy. So if they're characteristics of the kingdom, these attributes should also be characteristic of the, of the uh, 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 what we call, uh, what, what, what am I looking for? Yeah, the Christian, but, but <laughs> the subjects of the kingdom. They should be attributes not only of the kingdom itself, but of the subjects of the kingdom. Thank you for Christian, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. And so righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We said the Lord wants our joy tank to stay full. Now, why would that be true? Because Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 tells us the joy of the Lord is what? The strength of our lives or is our strength. So that's not just, you know, something we quote. That's a reality. There is a strength that comes into the Christian life uh, through the fruit of joy, right? That's why people that are depressed and down, they have no strength. So uh, the joy of the Lord is the strength of our lives. I want us to look in Philippians chapter 4. Paul writing on the subject of joy. Uh, you're very familiar with these passages of Scripture, but let's look at what the Bible has to say. Philippians chapter 4, and let's begin reading, first of all, in verse 4. Are you with me this morning? Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And he said, In case you didn't hear me the first time, let me repeat myself. He said, Rejoice. One translation says, all joy be yours at all times. All joy be yours at all times. Another translation says, always be happy in the Lord. Now let me get this straight. Rejoice in the Lord always. All joy be mine at all times. Always be happy in the Lord. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Is this real? What planet did Paul live on? The same one we do? Absolutely. And the word of the Lord to us is rejoice in the Lord always. Now, how is that possible? Paul said, well, I'll tell you how it's possible right here. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, I did a study in the Greek on the word nothing, and it means nothing. <laughs> Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Or through Christ Jesus. So Paul said now, joy is going to be most fully realized in the life of a Christian who has learned to live their lives free from care. Now, I didn't say free from responsibility, free from the necessities of life, free from the necessary disciplines of life and the activities of life and even the occasional challenges and oppositions of life. He said, joy is going to be most fully realized in the life of a Christian who has learned to live their life free from care. Yes, we've got to work. There are responsibilities. There are oppositions. But we don't have to take the care of them, do we? So one, one translation, the Living Bible says, because it's a little blind in the King James when it says, be careful for nothing. 
One translation says, the Living Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, and don't forget to thank Him for the answers. Isn't that awesome? goes on to say, if you will do this, God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, will keep your heart and your thoughts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. The Amplified says, don't worry, don't fret, don't have anxiety about anything. Now, why would he tell us that? Well, because those actions carry consequences. When we worry and we fret and we're full of anxiety, that opens the door to fear. That fear begins to have an impact on our peace, right? And then that lack of peace begins to undermine our sense of confidence and faith in a particular situation. And then it has tremendous impact on our joy level. So Paul said, listen, if you want to be happy in life, you're going to have to learn how to live free from care. Amen? Now, some people say, Amen, Brother Marty, don't worry. But they don't even know what worry is. Now, what is worry? Well, worry is meditating in a negative direction. You know, the word meditate means to reflect and rehearse. When we talk about, hey, let's meditate the Scripture. We say, let's take a particular scripture that pertains to our area of need and let's meditate it. What does that mean? Reflect upon it. Rehearse it internally over and over like you would dip a tea bag in a hot cup of water. And you know, you dip that tea bag one time into that hot water, very, very little of the flavor or the color of the tea is absorbed into the water. But if you dip that tea bag over and over, sooner or later, all of the flavor and the color that is in that tea is going to be absorbed into that water, right? The same principle holds true with meditation. Now, you can meditate positively or negatively. If you have an area of need in your life, you can take a particular scripture that promises you a certain thing. And you can take that scripture in the morning and read it and reflect and rehearse. And then at your lunch break, get it back out, talk about it, think about it, thank God for it. Before you go to bed, do the same thing. It's like dipping that tea bag in, in that water. And sooner or later, all of the power that is resident and the creative ability that is resident within that scripture and that living word will be absorbed into your human spirit and release the very thing that you need. We know people that have been healed in that way, who have had ailments in their body. They've gotten what we call a healing scripture tape where someone is reading those scriptures and they're hearing them all throughout their day and throughout the night. And what happens is they're dipping that tea bag until, man, all, you know, at some point that spirit is absorbed with that word and saturated and it brings forth life. Are you listening? Well, the negative side of that is worry. It's where we're allowing our thoughts to constantly reflect uh, upon the potential uncertainties of life. Man, what if this happens? 
What if this doesn't happen? What if this doesn't come through for me? What if this is, uh, you know, this particular ailment or sickness? You see what I mean? And so we begin to reflect and, and we're worrying and fretting and, and meditating upon these negatives of life concerning our, our finances, our family, our children, our ministries, our jobs, whatever it may be. And what we don't realize is, man, that's opening the door to fear. And then what happens is your peace is displaced once again. And then, of course, your joy is sabotaged and your faith and your confidence. So Paul said, now listen, uh, uh, don't, don't allow that practice to be occurring on the inside. You know, if we had to put in a modern phrase what Paul is teaching us here, uh, basically it would be don't worry, be happy. Right? So turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy, right? I mean, and that's theologically sound. Because what he said is, hey, rejoice in the Lord always and be careful for nothing. Don't worry, be happy, right? Now, is that possible? Absolutely. What amazes me is that these particular uh, portions of Scripture, they they were not uh, written by a man who was a stranger to adversity or opposition. In life, if anybody had opposition in life and ministry, it was the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you've ever read his personal testimony. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. But if you haven't read it, let me read it to you. Uh, this is Paul's testimony in the Message Bible. Now I'm going to read it to you from the Message because it, it kind of makes uh, you know, a little more impact. Paul said, I have worked harder, I've been jailed more often, I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. He said, I've been flogged five times by the Jews, 39 lashes. I've been beaten by Roman rods three times, and I've been pummeled with rocks once. So if you saw Paul at the beach with his shirt off, man, he'd be covered from head to toe with scars. Uh, I mean, this man encountered some stuff. He said, I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in an open sea for a night and a day. I've been in traveling, hard traveling, year in, year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. Uh, Excuse me, backwards, but struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery, hard labor, many a long and lonely night uh, without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not the half of it, he said. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches and you think you've had a bad week or a challenging month or year. I mean, none of us have encountered probably the things that the Apostle Paul has encountered. uh, But he said, hey, listen, Acts 20 and verse 24. What did he say? He said, none of these things move me. He said, look, basically, he said, I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to finish this thing with joy. And the ministry which the Lord Jesus Christ has given to me to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul said, hey, man, I've been through some stuff, but I'm not going to allow that to formulate my perspective of life. He said, I'm going to maintain joy. I'm going to maintain peace. I have learned how to celebrate my Christian faith in the midst of the most amazing oppositions at times. Well, that's just wonderful, Apostle Paul. 
rejoice. Don't worry. Amen. Going to finish with joy. That's a good proclamation. And we can shout amen. But how about the practical application of it? All right, we know that God would have us live in that manner, but how are we going to actualize those Scriptures and let them become a living reality? How do I do that? Aren't you glad we can ask that question? And the Bible gives us the answer. Paul said, now here's how you do it. All right, great. Verse 8. How do I do it? Well, here's your answer. He said, finally, brethren, now in conclusion, I've told you to rejoice in the Lord always. Don't worry, don't fret, don't have anxiety. How do I do it? He said, well, here's your answer. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's the last phrase? Think on these things. Paul said, here is your secret to life and peace or peace and joy in this life. He said, you're going to have to learn how to think properly. You've got to learn, and all of us do, how to focus your attention properly. Because what we focus our attention upon has the greatest impact on our emotions, right? So he said, you're going to have to learn how to think properly, how to harness your internal conversation and thought processes and bring them into harmony with that which promotes joy and peace. I don't know if you know it or not. I'm sure you do. But your joy and your peace, my joy and my peace, are connected to my attention. And they're connected to your attention. Your joy, your peace, your faith, your confidence are all connected to your attention. Because once again, what you have your attention focused upon has the greatest impact on your heart. That's why the devil wants your attention. He's always saying, look at it. How bad it is. Talk about it. Rehearse it. Think about it. Oh, let's meditate on how bad everything is. And so what you have to do and I have to do as a Christian, we have to, when he says, may I have your attention, please, you have to put up your hand and say, talk to the hand. You may not have my attention. I'm not going to allow my thoughts to uh, be formulated and focus upon the negatives and the what-ifs of life. What if? Well, hey, I'm not going to allow my thoughts to focus upon the fears of life, the uncertainties of life, the frustrations of the moment, and we've all got them, right? Paul said our, our, our joy and peace are connected to our attention. Everybody say, attention. So God says, hey, I want your attention. We cannot have an undisciplined mind and maintain joy and peace. It's impossible. Uh, Because an undisciplined mind is like an undisciplined child. Unruly, no boundaries, right? Bad habits, headed for trouble. And so people say, well, I can't control my thoughts. Oh, yeah, you, we can control our thoughts. If I had a device that had been formulated like a helmet, 
And I put it on your head this morning. And all of your thoughts were projected up on this screen for everybody in the room to see as I was preaching. I'll bet you can control your thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, we can control them. Now, it takes a little discipline, a little hard work at times. But, oh, we can do it. And you know what? If we're going to have joy and peace in life, we have to. Right? So, we want a disciplined mind. So, Paul said, he said, man, I have learned how to focus my attention in life properly in the midst of the, some of the most adverse situations and circumstances. What do you think about, Paul? He said, well, I'll tell you what I think about. Instead of focusing on these temporary external frustrations and uncertainties of the moment, I've learned to focus my attention on these internal realities of Christ. Who He is in me, man. Who I am in Him. I've learned to think about the fact that greater is He that's in me than he that is in this world. I think about the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for, equal to, anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses His inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. He said, I think about the fact that He's raised me up and made me sit in heavenly places far above, uh, you know, principality, power, might, dominion, the devil and all of his nonsense. I think about the fact that He thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I think about the fact that He has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I think about the fact that nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ. Amen? Paul said, I focus my attention on those realities rather than these temporary external frustrations. And because I do, I'm able to maintain my joy and peace internally, even though externally, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. Right? So that's a good thing. Amen? Everybody say, I've got joy. I've got peace. And I'm going to keep it. Amen. So Paul thought about those internal realities in Christ. Here's something else he thought about. What else did you think about, Paul? He said, well, I think about the hope of heaven. And I think about my eternal reward. You know, it was the Apostle Paul uh, that penned the words in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 16, you ever read it? Where he said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Man, I'll tell you what, if that doesn't light your wood, your, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet, right? I used to say in the South, I'd say, if that doesn't ring your bell, your clacker's broke. Are broken. Praise God. I used to get so happy. I was seven years old. I mean, I was born again as a Southern Baptist. Uh, uh, we were raised Southern Baptist, born again, seven years old. I used to jump up and down. I'd say, Mom and Dad, wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus came today? Seven-year-old boy. I still feel that way, and he is coming, and he's coming soon. And I'm living in expectation. Paul said, hey, I live my life with an eternal 
perspective. I live in anticipation of the day when I will see him face to face. And I realize that any frustration, any adversity, any opposition, any sorrow or setback that I may encounter in this life is in reality light and momentary in comparison to the eternal blessedness that awaits me on the other side. Paul said, I live with that perspective. I'm not going to let this life get me down because there's something glorious that I'm moving toward. And we enjoy it here as well. It's not all in the sweet by and by, but it should encourage you to realize this life is temporary. It's not eternal. We're passing through, right? And so don't let, you know, I always tell people, don't let the bumps in the road get you down. We've all got bumps in the road. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is, And it came to pass. Sometimes I just stop right there. You know, there are Scriptures that begin, And it came to pass. I just stop right there and dance a little bit. (laughs) It came, but it will pass. All right? Everybody say, It will pass. That's right. So, where was I? Paul said, I think about that. I think about heaven. He said, I think about my eternal reward. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we won't read it, but you can read it later. Paul talks about what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Now, a lot of people get nervous about the judgment seat of Christ. But listen, that's an award ceremony for the Christian. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ is not where your sins are judged. Your sins have already been judged on the cross through the blood of Jesus. And you are eternally forgiven if you've received the sacrifice. How many of you received the sacrifice? Yeah, saved. Your sins are washed away, right? By the blood of Jesus. The, the judgment seat of Christ is where our works will be evaluated and rewarded. Now, anything that was done uh, out of pride and self-recognition and, hey, look at me, and for the praises of men, Paul said, now, that's going to be over here, uh, uh, wood, hay, and stubble. So, you know, you'll just have a big pile to burn. Uh, but, he said, anything that was done out of love for people, Love for the kingdom of God. Love for God. Your motivation was love and obedience. He said, you'll be rewarded for it. Paul said, I'm looking forward to that day. Second Timothy chapter 4, I, I believe it is, Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. What did Paul say? He said, hey, man, I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And he said, because I have. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And he said, now, not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. How many of us are looking for him? I am. There's a crown waiting. Now, you know, they've got the Emmy Awards and the Grammy Awards. And I mean, they sashay out on that red carpet. Hey, you know, let me tell you something. That's their big day right there. It will pale in comparison to that day. When Christ himself will reward you for the things you've done for the kingdom of God. So don't ever think that your work and your labor in the kingdom or, or the things that you do for other people go unnoticed because they don't. Right? They're eternal in value. So Paul said, I live my life uh, with an eternal perspective. And he said, because I do, I'm able to maintain joy and peace because I'm not really living for this life alone but for the one to come, right? So it's good, good to keep those things in mind. Now, talking about, uh, you know, not just getting happy. I'm going to get happy this morning. 
Just get ready. But not just get happy, but staying happy. Staying joyful, staying peaceful, that's what I want you to take home with you. Is there a way to do it? Absolutely. Now, one of the things that steal people's joy and peace in life also, in addition to the adversities of life, is this this, uh, habit of always looking back, looking to the past, regretting the past, personal condemnation. Man, I wish I would have made this decision better. I wish I could have avoided this particular event. Uh, Maybe they've had broken relationships. Uh, You've had loved ones who have passed away, you know, and gone to the other side or or different situations that have caused sorrow or disappointment uh, uh, or grief. And, you know, I I always tell people, particularly uh, when you're looking at your past mistakes, Uh, The Bible says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Don't you love that? You know, you can't move forward dragging the past behind you. I tell people you can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. Brother Hagin used to tell us all the time, the past is the past and should be forgotten. The future is bright, right? So we travel a lot, and, and, I, and I go into a lot of cities, and, and sometimes I'm in large cities like New York or Atlanta, even where we live. And, and you know, there's L.A., there's a lot of traffic in those cities. And so I get off the plane, get into my, my automobile, I use maps on my phone, and, you know, the, the satellite will pinpoint your place of origin, then you put in the, the address of your destination, and then, of course, uh, the, the route will be calculated. Now, most often, a little woman's voice will come on because the women are better with directions. And so, you know, she'll, she'll come on, she'll say one moment, and then she'll calculate the route, and then she'll say, drive 1.2 miles, turn right, take the motorway, 3.4 miles. You know how it goes. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm in these large cities, I'm trying to, to negotiate a turn. But because of the traffic, I can't get over into the appropriate lane to make the turn. And then, so I miss my turn. And she'll come on and she'll say, you have missed your turn. Well, I knew that. But I couldn't get over. She takes Lola's place when Lola's not with me. You missed your turn. Well, I knew it. But I couldn't get over, right? So then she'll say the most interesting thing. She'll say, one moment, please. Recalculating. Some others say rerouting. And she'll calculate an alternative route so I can get back onto the original route and come to my destination. How many of you know God is much more merciful than a GPS system? (laughs) So we took some wrong turns, right? Maybe we made a miscalculation. But the Holy Ghost will say, one moment, please, rerouting, recalculating. And we can get right back on. Our, our, our end can be better than our beginning. Don't take no for an answer. Don't constant be, constantly be looking back, regretting, second-guessing yourself. It's over. It's done. Paul said in Philippians 3 and verse 13, he said, Look, forgetting the things which are behind, let's reach forth to the things that are ahead of us. Right? That's his philosophy. That should be ours. All right. Now, I want to give you some practical application, and I'm hurrying. How many give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty. All right. Praise the Lord. I, I want to give you some practical application on how to live this thing out. Are you ready? Let's turn to Psalm chapter 5. Psalm chapter 5. 
So don't let the adversities of life get you down uh, looking in the past. Focus your attention properly. Let's look at this more clearly. Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. And let me tell you something as we're, we're approaching that. If you've ever had a loved one that's passed to the other side in Christ, you know, my mom passed away in April. You miss your mama. You love your mama. But let me tell you something. They would not come back if they could. Are you with me? Brother Hagin used to tell us, he said, now listen, they wouldn't come back if they could. He said, believe me, I've been there. And if you know anything about his ministry, he's had some supernatural visitations there. But he said, I've been there. He said, I didn't want to come back. But the Lord made me. Yeah, you love your kids and your family and everything. But once you cross to the other side, nothing can compare to the blessedness of that place. And, and so they're happy. Don't let it get you down, right? Every time I think about my mama, I just, I just let my thoughts be joyful for her. Mom, I'm so happy for you. Praise God. We'll see you soon, right? All right. Let's look in verse 11 now. The Bible says, let all those that put their trust in thee do what? Rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be what? Be joyful in thee. So rejoice and be joyful. Let me give you another scripture. Psalm 32 verse 11. Psalm 32 and verse 11, I just want you to see it in your Bible. Psalm 32 and 11 says, Be sad in the Lord. Oh, excuse me, did I misread that? Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. What? Shout for joy. All ye that are upright in heart. You mean that shouting scriptural? Absolutely. Be glad, rejoice, shout for joy. All right, let me give you one more to substantiate my case. Psalm 35, verse 28, the very first portion of the verse. The Bible says, let them shout for joy. There it is again. And be glad. That favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So we have three verses. They say, be glad, rejoice, be joyful. Wow. That doesn't sound like a suggestion. Isn't be an action verb and a command? Righteous one, children of God, born again. Having heaven as your inheritance, filled with the Holy Spirit, blessed with an everlasting covenant. Yes, sir. Be glad. Put a smile on your face. You got something to be joyful about. Man, when we walk into a room, we ought to light it up. And an unbeliever should say, man, there's something different about that guy. What's, what is it with you? Right? There's something about our countenance that reveals what we carry on the inside. He said, rejoice, be glad, be joyful, right? So if it is a command, that's not a suggestion, it's a command, right? And more specifically, here we go again now, it's a choice. And even more specifically, it is a matter of focus. So being joyful in life, being peaceful in life, in reality, is a choice, right? 
It's a command, but it's a choice. Now, here, here we go. Here's the practical application. Every single person in this room, every one of us, from the time we open our eyes in the morning until the time we lay our head down at night, every single person in this room has taking place on the inside of us what we call in psychologists refer to as internal conversation or self-talk. Self-talk. You talk to yourself all day long. We do. It's inaudible, but it's going on. You talk to yourself about your husband. You talk to yourself about your wife. <laughs> you talk to yourself about your kids. You talk to yourself about your relationships or friendships. You talk to yourself about your job, your co-workers, your home, your environment. Uh, uh, you know, what you have, what you don't have, what we wish we had. This internal conversation is our world and how we perceive it. And it's going on all day long. And unfortunately, for many people, this internal conversation is negative in content. Everything that is wrong with my life, my environment, my job, my home, my finances, my relationships, the focus is, is upon the negatives of life, you see. And it's like you, you've got a little CD player or an MP3 player on the inside here, and the alarm goes off in the morning, and track one begins. And for many people, their song sounds like this. Oh, God. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to work. I don't have anything to wear. My, my hair looks like last year's bird's nest. My co-workers don't treat me well. They don't pay me enough. I can't pay my bills. The house is a mess. The kids are just a disaster. Look at the place. My husband, all he does is flip the remote. He never gives me any attention. My wife won't give me any sugar. You know. Whatever the situation, it's just all negative. You see what I mean? The thoughts about our relationships and everything, it's negative, you know. And what people don't realize is this, this internal conversation is producing a mindset or mentality or mode of thought. Then that mentality is having an impact on your joy and your peace and your faith and your confidence, because that's where your attention is. See what I mean? And then those emotions, in turn, are having an impact on our physiological body, because they're all uh, connected. Now, see, I know what I'm talking about, because in the natural, as a, as a natural person, apart from the Word and the Spirit and the regeneration and renewing of my mind, uh, I'm what you call, has anyone ever had a personality profile examination for a place of business? Here, here, different ones. Sometimes when you work for businesses or ministries, they'll give you a personality profile exam, which identifies your personality type, your strengths, your weaknesses, so they can determine uh, with whom you can best work, uh, what environment would be most suitable, where your weaknesses are, where your strengths, and how they can work on them. So, so I've had those several times. Well, every time I take that test, or in the past, I always come out what you call melancholy perfect. Melancholy perfect. Now, melancholies in the natural are given to moodiness, kind of like, woohoo! <laughs> 
Yeehaw! You know, the roller coaster thing. You know, one day, man, on top of the world. And then the next day, it's like, woo, you know, in the natural, given to moodiness. And one of the reasons that melancholies are given to moodiness is because of the perfectionistic tendencies. Sometimes musicians, we have those temperaments of that creativity and the melancholy, and you know. And so the perfectionistic tendencies, when everything, now I'm talking about in the natural, when everything was in order, all my ducks were in a row, happy camper. Everything's perfect. When man, when things got out of order and everything wasn't just, you know, just so, it would steal my joy and steal my peace, you know, because I was learning, I was focusing upon the negatives rather than the positives. I just have an eye for imperfections. See what I mean? So, you know, in every way. And so, man, I, you know, you, you get on these roller coasters. Well, you know, uh, what you have to do, and what I had to learn to do, you know, I, I, I was kind of like maniac. You know, I think I was just born this way. I liked all my shirts hanging in a row, all the underwear and the socks, you know. There can't be any weeds in the fi- flower beds. Come on, bro. I mean, you got to, the cars have to be immaculate, you know. I want the, I used to uh, uh, sweep and mop my garage. I mean, I want the drawers and the cabinets, everything just so. But can I tell you something? After a wife, a mother-in-law, two kids, a cat, and a dog. Forget it. It's not. It's not gonna be perfect. <laughs> and I could make them miserable and myself miserable, or I could change tracks and sing a different song. And I've had to do that in life, and I still have to work on it all the time. I have to monitor my internal conversation and keep my focus properly. Because I do like things nice, but I have learned that, look, life's not perfect. Everything's not going to be perfect. And that doesn't mean I have to let that stuff steal my joy and steal my peace. I've learned to change tracks and sing a different song. And that's what you have to do. Instead of in the morning saying, oh, God, look at it. Just say, Woo! This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Everything I set my hand to today today will prosper. God is with me. He's for me. Who can be against me, right? And, And so you say, do you feel like that in the mornings and all the time? No, you don't. You don't. Emotions, friends, vacillate. They were never meant to be a governing mechanism. But now here's, here's something you have to learn in life. You don't always feel joyful and feel peaceful, but the joy is there and the peace is there. And it's our job to tap into it and to stay in it, right? And so when we talk about changing tracks, emotions are more powerful than reason. Uh, a person can be in an unhealthy relationship, a destructive relationship, maybe in a bad habit. Reason screams, stop, change tracks, get out, you know. But the emotion many times associated with sit- certain situations can override the reason. How many of you have seen that with people, right? So emotions are more powerful than reason, but get this now. Here's the other side of the coin. Action. Everybody say action. Action is more powerful than emotion. That is a psychological and spiritual reality. Action is more powerful than emotion. So here's the conclusion. I've learned in life, and I'm just sharing with you, as some of you may well know, I can never 
feel my way into acting differently. I'll never be able to feel my way into acting differently. I don't feel happy. I don't feel like, uh, you know, doing anything around the house. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praising God today. I don't feel like it. I'm not going to put it on. I'm real. I don't feel like it. Yeah, you're real. Real carnal. Because the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because God knows action is more powerful than emotion. And so he said, hey, you're not all going to always feel happy, feel joyful. But when you don't, when, you're, when your joy settles to the bottom of the tank, you can stir it up. You can activate your joy. You know, I, we're, we're from the south here, right? So what do we like? Sweet tea. Right? We like sweet tea. Now, sweet tea is when you have about eight or nine tea bags. You steep them real nice and dark there. Then you take a minimum, minimum of a cup of sugar. And you put it in there. And then it, you know, it dissolves while the sugar, while the, the tea's hot. You stir it up. And then you add your ice and your water and you have sweet tea. But now sometimes, anybody from New York or places, you know, up north, sometimes, okay, sometimes I'll go up north and I'll say, would you bring me some sweet tea, please? They bring me a cold glass of tea with a jar or packets of sugar. Then I have to put the sugar in and guess where it goes? To the bottom. Then I have to stir it up. You know, it takes about four minutes, you know. And finally, but not all of it even stirs up. But, you know, most of the time it will go right to the bottom. Well, the same principle holds true in life. We got stuff going on, yeah. And sometimes, man, your joy, it just settles to the bottom of the glass. And God said, when it does, hey, here's some spoons. I'm going to give you some spoons where you can stir it up. Well, what are they, Lord? He said, well, you can activate it. You can stir it up. You can shout for joy. Did we just read that in the Bible several times? You can shout for joy. Instead of letting your mind run off and just get lower and more blue and more blue, just lift your hands in your in the middle of your living room and start shouting and praising God. Father, I praise you. And I mean let her rip. Sometimes I go down in my basement. Nobody's down there. And I just let it rip. Start shouting, glory to God. Woo! The greater one's in me. Thank you, Lord. And I begin to praise Him when I feel like, ooh, because, man, the pressure's alive, you know. Sometimes you just got to let her rip. And I'll shout, and all of a sudden, man, you know, that, that what's on the inside starts manifesting on the outside. Your emotions were never meant to be a governing mechanism. They are a response mechanism. And they respond to the mind, the mouth, and the actions. Absolutely the truth, right? So he said, you can shout for joy, talking about that, and I'm trying to hurry. You know, my wife and I were associate pastors at Rainbow Bible Church. We worked out there for, uh, lived for about 13 years and worked for 11 years for the ministry. We came in from church one night, and I had what you call a, a, a burden to pray. You know, when I say an unction or a burden to pray, a lot of people in, the, in a younger generation don't understand, but sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit, you'll just get a, a sense in there that you need to begin to pray in intercession. You don't know with your mind what it is. So you can begin to pray in the Spirit, as Paul said, and speak mysteries. 
And so we begin to pray in the Spirit, which is in an unknown tongue. That's not scary. It's just normal Christian life. I've got a CD back there called Empowered for Living. It'll talk to you about that if you're not familiar with it. Uh, but we begin to pray in the Spirit. And sometimes, man, you'll just pray for quite a while. We pray 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, an hour or so. And then all of a sudden, we hit what you call a note of victory. I mean, whatever it was the Holy Spirit was making intercession concerning through you, you got the answer. I don't know what it was, but I know we got it. And man, when you hit that note of victory, you, you know, he might be helping you pray for your kids, a loved one, something like that. When you hit that note of victory, all of a sudden you get happy. You might, I mean, you might shout, you might dance, you might get excited, you might sing a song. You might laugh. Well, I don't know. We hit that note of victory. And, man, we started dancing. Woo! We got so happy. And I had a little dog. His name was Snickerdoodle. And he's gone home to be with the Lord now. But uh, Snickerdoodle, he was a little shih tzu. He was minding his business. And he was just laying on this ottoman in the living room. And, I mean, we got happy. I was shouting. I was dancing. All of a sudden, I said, woo, like that. And I touched Snickerdoodle. I touched that dog. God's my witness. I'm not lying to you. My wife can tell you. I touched that dog. All of a sudden, that little dog, he jumped up from the ottoman, and he started running around the kitchen table. I'd never seen that dog run so fast in my life. He just kept running. I said, honey, look, the Holy Ghost is on that dog. <laughs> Somebody say shout for joy. So you can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. Sing for joy. Right? Are you listening? So sometimes you get up in the morning, man, and you just, you know, it's not all there. Get in the shower and just start singing. I'm full of joy. Get your happy song. I'm full of joy and I got the victory. I'm full of joy. And I... That's about as far down as we fellas go, isn't it, guys? Kind of go right there. We let the runoff get the rest, don't we, bro? Just let it run. I'm full of joy and I got the victory now. And you just keep singing a little happy song. And, you know, before you know it, you know, your emotions catch on. I'm full of joy. You're getting out blow drying your hair. I'm full of joy. And because your emotions catch on to what you're singing. After work, and man, it's been a little rough. Get in your car and just start singing a, a nice song to the Lord. What? Activate your joy. Activate your peace. Get on back into that presence. Right? So he said you can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. You can leap for joy. Right? Now, one, I'm close. One of the manifestations of joy is laughter. Does anybody like to laugh? I'm telling you now, we love to laugh around our house. It's not the only manifestation, but it is one. One manifestation of joy is laughter. I want you to look in Psalm 126. Psalm 126. So we've got to monitor that internal conversation. We have to keep it positive. You've got to change tracks. You've got to sing a different song. When you find yourself singing a negative song on the inside or having negative internal conversation, get a hold of yourself and redirect those thoughts toward things that are positive and primarily uh, the Word of God. Get yourself some good scriptures that edify you. Are you listening? All right. So, Psalm 126, let's read this. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Now notice, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord's done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. So, 
Our mouth was filled with laughter. So one of the manifestations of joy is laughter. And like I said, we love to laugh. Now, some people think it's a little, uh, you know, irreverent to laugh in church. But may I tell you, nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, God is multifaceted in his person. I understand the awesomeness of God. I've, I've been on the, on the carpet with my face down in the holy presence of God. But God is also a joyful God. He's full of joy. How do we know that? Well, because Hebrews uh, chapter 1, isn't it, around verse 9 or 10, where it says, uh, God anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness above his fellows. I mean, he's happy, full of joy. That's why he said, I want my joy to remain in you, and I want your joy to be full. So one of those manifestations is laughter. Uh, every, and I was saying it's not irreverent because God created laughter. When you laugh, where do you laugh from? Your head? <laughs> Is that where you laugh from? Your head? No. You don't laugh from your head. Where do you laugh from? Your heart. Right out of your belly. Why? Because God created laughter as an expression of joy. You can read in the Psalms where it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. Laughing at the devil and his nonsense. Oh, he sees the end. Don't you, aren't you glad God sees the end he, from the beginning? His perspective is so amazing. If you have an ant crossing this platform, from my perspective, I can see where that ant came from. I can see where he's going. I can see any obstacle he may encounter along the way. Uh, I know his past, his present, and I can pretty much see where he's going in the future. See, that's God's perspective. We don't have to get it, this all figured out. He's got it. We just walk it out. He knows exactly uh, what's going to be encountered along the path, and he also knows how to help us detour. You can label you know, something in front of him, make him go a different way. <laughs> that ant, isn't that cool? So that's God's perspective. All righty. Where was I? Joy, happy. Yeah. So one of the manifestations of joy is laughter, and God created it right out of your belly. So everybody say, ha, ha, ha. Say it again. Now, contrary to popular opinion, Mark Hankins did not create the phrase ha, ha, ha. I don't know if you're familiar with him as a minister. But we were in, in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I worked for Reverend Kenneth E. Hagan for 11 years as a part of their praise and worship team, also taught in his services in the mornings. But uh, we, we were at Winter Bible Seminar. And that particular year, I think it was around 97, 96, there were about 8,000 people there that year, and we were on satellite television. And they had all the overflows, you know, filled and the choir loft and everything. So we were sitting on the front to make room for folks. And so we had a wild service. I mean, I say wild. There was such an outpouring in that decade. There was a move of God with an outpouring of the Spirit where the, the, the believers were just, man, they were saturated with the presence of God, with the person of the Holy Spirit, with joy and, and just, you know, some people were dancing in the Spirit. Others were falling out into power. I mean, this was thousands of people just all over the floor in the halls. And so this service was coming to a close. And so Brother Hagen looked at me. I'm on the front row. The praise and worship leader said, Brother Marty, over the microphone. He said, do you have a song that will fit in here? Into that? I mean, it was wild. And I just said right back to him, no, sir. I said, no, sir. Because he always told us, he said, now, if you sing the wrong song at the wrong time, it will kill the anointing. Well, who wants to be responsible for that? On satellite television. 
with 8,000 people. I don't. So I said, no, sir. And then he said right over the microphone, over in front of the, he said, well, you will as soon as you get up here. <laughs> so I was on the spot. Man, thank God there's a lot of steps. Because all the way up those steps, you know, on the inside, I'm going, Jesus, 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 give me a song, you know. <laughs> give me something. And he gave me, a, you know, psalm, hymns, and spiritual songs. He gave me a spiritual song. Right up out of my belly came these words, ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. You can probably find it on YouTube. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey, I resist you and you cannot stay. And it had these verses with it, you know. And the band came up and the singers came up. And God's my witness. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just telling you the way it was. That It came out like one of those old tavern drinking songs. And it was ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. And 8,000 people started singing that with me. Y'all sing it with me. They got some words for you. Oh, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you can. Now sway a little bit and sing it. Oh, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. And listen, God's my witness. And once again, I don't mean this disrespectfully. But the more we sang that song, the drunker we got. <laughs> and I'm talking about in the spirit. Because Paul said, now don't be drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be saturated with the person and presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think that they assumed the men on, on the day of Pentecost were drunk? Why would you assume that someone's drunk if all they're doing is speaking a language? There must have been some type of overcoming sensation. I would imagine, right? So anyway, it said, uh, he, you know, they were not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if you know it or not, but God never intended for you to go through this life sober. <laughs> Y'all, really? No. <laughs> he said, once again, don't be drunk with wine. Be drunk or intoxicated with the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. Same principle, different substance. Are you with me? Stay filled with the Spirit. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have ourselves a real good laugh before we leave, and I know we've got to go. We need to have ourselves a good laugh. You mean we're just going to laugh? That's right. You don't have to have a sense of humor to laugh, right? Uh, you know, everybody is born with the gift of laughter. Uh, it, it's just created. So you say, well, what are we going to laugh at? Well, I'm glad you asked because some of you need to laugh this morning. You've just been under some stuff. And you need, you need to experience that joy and that peace. What are we going to laugh at? Well, here's a good thing we can laugh at. In Job chapter 5 and verse 22, you remember Job, man, he's been through a hard time. Uh, about 12 to 18 months, scholars say he had a bad year. And, and he really did. But then they said, hey, Job, listen, all this is going to pass. Everything's going to be okay. And he said, And they said, and the time will come where you will laugh at destruction, Job. 5, uh, 28, no, 22, you will laugh at destruction 
and you will laugh at famine. Right? At destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. So those are just, in my estimation, I think it's just a good principle. When it looks like destruction, it looks like everything is falling apart. Man, this ain't going to happen. When it looks like famine, there's not going to be enough. Do you know that's a good time just to haul off and have yourself a good laugh? I, I, I've laughed at my checkbook. I've just laughed at the zeros. Woo! <laughs> Pulled it out and laughed at it. Hey, it beats crying, doesn't it? Sometimes you might need to laugh at your checkbook. Laugh at the zeros. Laugh at when it looks like, you know, my wife and I talking about laughing at destruction. We tried for eight years to have children. They said you have unexplained infertility. Nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with her, unexplained. Well, thank you very much. So we just laughed. Ha, ha, ha. Now, that's not all we did, but we did laugh. You understand that. And, and you know what? We had those kids right in the right season of life. We've got a nine-year-old, seven-year-old, and we're just loving it. We're a little older when we had them, but we love it. Amen? And enjoying it. Somebody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to get in your mind's eye this morning something that you need to laugh at. I don't care if it's relational, financial, uh, physical. We used to have a healing school. We worked in healing school when we were at Rama, And we had people come in with terminal diseases at times and, and different infirmities. And God's my witness, not all the time. We would teach the word and minister with the laying on of hands. But sometimes the Holy Spirit would come in in, in these services in a, in a move of what we would term holy laughter. It was just the joy of the Lord. And people would have various sicknesses. And all of a sudden we'd, we'd say, get them up in front and we'd say, uh, what do you have? And they say, well, I have a t -t 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 tumor. And they get tickled and, start, and feel it was irreverent and try to stop, but they're just overcome with the presence of the Lord. And they'd start giggling and laughing. Many from denominational churches, never been in a setting like that. And they'd just laugh so hard they'd start crying. Sometimes they'd be on the floor 30, 45, 50 minutes just laughing, laughing. Because sometimes people are so full of stress, so full of fear. So full of anxiety over their situation. When you get that alleviated, healing springs forth. And we've seen people heal. So I don't care what it is. I want you to get something in your mind. Now, I'm going to lead you in laughter this morning. They led us in praise and worship. I'm going to lead us in la <laughs> laughter. I got something I'm going to laugh at. You say you're just going to laugh. That's right. Just, now, you might have to prime your pump. You know those hand pumps. You know those pumps, you know, where you, you, know, you pump it and it goes... But then you keep pumping and a gusher, you hit a gusher. Do you all remember those pumps? So you might have to do that a little bit this morning. Say, ha, ha, ha. You know, ha, 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 ha. It, it, it doesn't take me long because, you know, I know how to prime my pump. But you just, you know, get over there. And you start laughing and the Holy Spirit will just take hold with you. And you can be blessed this morning. Are you ready? Now you say, now why are we going to laugh? Because Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4 says, there is a time to weep. Yeah, we know that. But look what else it says. There is a time to laugh. And this morning had just seemed good to me. Some of us need to have a good laugh. You've just been worrying and fretting too much. Getting anxious about stuff, right? Let's just let it go. I've got something I'm going to laugh at. You find, Get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. My mother-in-law talk about famine. Now, my mother-in-law's country come to town. You understand country come to town. She's from the deep south, isn't she, honey? And boy, some of her sayings are, you know, you have to have an interpretation. You know, Miss Nancy, 
Everybody loves Miss Nancy. But one time when we were first married, we were having some financial, you know, things, trying to get things in order and believe in God for certain things and had a little rough start. And so uh, we were on the phone with her. And she was, you know, talking to us, praying and agreeing. She's a Bible school graduate and praising the Spirit. So she's praying and agreeing with us in faith. Amen. Thank you, Mom. All right. She's about to hang up. Now, she said, now, now, now honey, one thing about it. I said, what, Mom? I was ready for her words of wisdom, talking about, you know, family. She said, they can't eat you. I said, what? She said, they can't eat you. They can't eat you. <laughs> she said, they might can take the car, take the house. Whatever. They can't eat you. You'll live for another day. And, man, I don't know why that blessed me. I just went around the house and said, they can't eat you. You might need to remember that if things get a little tight sometime. Turn to somebody and say, they can't eat you. <laughs> All right, everybody got something you need to laugh at this morning. I want you to get it in your mind's eye. Now, I got something. I'm, and on the count of three, I just want you to laugh at it. Just laugh at it. That's right. Just going to laugh at it. If you have to prime your pump, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I got mine. I don't know if I'm going to make it to three, though. Are you ready? All right. One, two. Wait a minute. I'm getting mine. Three. What? <laughs> Sometimes people, they want to laugh. They just need a little help. I, I carry what you call jump starters. Y'all don't have bulletins here that you write in, do you? But, but you know what a bulletin is. If you've been raised in a local church, you understand they have bulletins. And sometimes they, make, they, they have misprints. Have you ever read any of those? Where they say something, but it comes out wrong. Like one of them said, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What? I like this when it said, uh, the sermon this morning, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Aren't you glad that's not true here? Oh, God. Oh, mercy. This is a good one. Now, don't, don't, Jesus is not offended at this one because I asked him. He said, listen, it says, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon this evening. Searching for Jesus. <laughs> People don't know if they want to laugh at that or not, but it's all right. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
All right, let me give you one for the road. Then we're going to sing your song. We've got to go. Said uh, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Somebody say, ah, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. It's all coming to pass. Everybody just rest on some things here. Be at peace. It's going to come to pass. God's got this thing, right? I don't know. I'm just talking right in here. It's, it's going to come to pass, all right? And uh, don't, don't be worrying, fretting over it anymore, okay? Because then, then you shut things out, right? Just be at peace now. Let the Holy Spirit work. Uh, God's on the scene. It'll come to pass. And uh, your heart's desires will be granted, all right? Praise the Lord.